0: This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. So this morning, I'm gonna ask you to to do something here right off the top, okay? So what I'm gonna ask you to do is I'm gonna ask you to say something to a person sitting close by you. and, And this is what I want you to say, and I want you to say it with some really good attitude, all right? Right? Here it is. So tell the person close by you, don't judge me. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. You guys did that too well. <laughs> okay. You know, people who don't believe Jesus existed actually believe Jesus said those words, all right? Christians know those words are in the Bible. Some know where they're at, some don't, okay? But they know they're, they're in there somewhere. Right? Today, as we continue our series, Start With Jesus, Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to go back to this teaching that for about the last 2,000 years or so, people of all different backgrounds have said of this teaching, "It it is one of the greatest teachings that's been presented to mankind, if not the greatest one. And for some of us, we know that teaching to be the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. and we find the sermon on the mount in the first book of the new testament a book called Matthew chapters 5, 6 and 7 and today we're going to spend some time in the beginning part of chapter 7. And so for those of you who know that that don't judge me thing is in the Bible, here's where it's at, okay? Matthew chapter 7 verse 1. Jesus says, "Do not judge or you too will be judged." Now understand, as as Jesus says this, this isn't so much just a statement as he's beginning a conversation with us, okay? So let's jump in in on this conversation that Jesus has for us this morning. And and to do so, let's go back just one week in time. Let's go back to a week ago today, uh, last Sunday afternoon, early evening. The Packers are playing the Cowboys at AT AT&T Stadium, all right? And the the camera person pans up with the camera and shows into a luxury box. And if you saw the game, you know what I'm talking about. There's President George Bush and Ellen DeGeneres right next to each other, right? And the politically correct announcers were dumbfounded. They didn't know what they were supposed to say, right? But a whole lot of people said a whole lot of things about that so much so that Ellen decided she needed to address it in her TV show to her studio audience and to those watching across the country on TV. And this is what she said, and you'll see the words up on the screen. She said, here's the thing. I'm friends with George Bush. In fact, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs that I have. We're all different, And I think that we've forgotten that we're all different. But just because I don't agree with someone on everything doesn't mean I'm not going to be friends with them. When I say be kind to one another, I don't only mean the people who think the same way you do. I mean, be kind to everyone. It doesn't matter. (laughs) That's great right? That's great, like times 10,000, right? And, and I don't know if you know, and I don't know if, if Ellen knew, and I don't know if all those people who heard it, if they know, but do you know where that whole be kind to one another thing actually began? With God, right? Start with Jesus. When Jesus is talking about judging in this conversation that we have this morning, what he's talking about is condemnation. He's talking about looking at someone else's fault or or weakness or sin and, and so fixating on it that you marginalize the person, you put them off to the side so far away that it's like that person has no redeeming value that their issue is even greater than the greatest thing in the whole world, the grace of God, okay? The number one cause of judging others is, drum roll, all right, self-righteousness, all right, self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is a common malady. We all have it, okay? No matter our background throughout the world, we all, I have it, you have it, all right? And here's the thing. Here's the thing that some of us don't know. If you don't regularly go to church or if you're outside of the church, if you're not a Christian, you know this already, okay? But for those of us who go to church, this might be shocking to us, okay? Again, for those who don't go to church, maybe aren't Christian, this is crystal clear, but for those of us inside the church, this is is gonna be an eye-opener. Self-righteousness, has become the acceptable sin inside the church, okay? It's not acceptable to God, but inside the church, okay? Sometimes it sounds like this. I I know I shouldn't say anything, but self-righteousness. Here here are some characteristics and, and qualities of a a self-righteous person and self-righteousness, all right? Uh, Self-righteousness accuses others while excusing themselves. Uh, A a self-righteous person looks at a a weakness, a fault, a, a sin of someone else, and so fixates on it without seeing the issues in their own life. Self-righteous person looks at another person and goes, man, they're messed up. They got to get fixed. They need to change that. And they miss the parts of their own life that need to change. Here's the thing. If you ever feel superior to anyone, that's self-righteousness. If you ever find yourself in a conversation or, or at work or whatever, and you think you are superior to anyone, that's self-righteousness. A self-righteous person is ignorant and arrogant. Okay? Uh, they're ignorant in this, that they dumb down God's holiness and elevate their own. Self-righteousness. Another characteristic is they misinterpret God's blessings in their life. Okay, so everything is going good, everything is going great. So so I must be doing good. I must be going great. You know, this is good. This is good. But did you ever stop to think that just for a minute that maybe, just maybe, you and I live in these beautiful homes, condos, apartments, that, that you and I we have we drive the car around that we drive in, that 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 our cupboards are are full of food. And if our cupboards aren't full of food, we know that that Grocery store is like a mile away and it's full of food and we can just go get there and get some. Did you ever stop to think that, that maybe the reason why our closets are so full of clothes, they're so full that when we pull them out, they've got a creased wrinkle in them because they're so packed. Did you ever stop to think that we maybe have all these blessings from God as a call to repentance because we know we don't deserve one blessing after another. You know, maybe if if we don't think that way, it's because we're actually in that previous category of ignorance and arrogance. A self-righteous person uh, judges others, thinking that 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 changes puts them in a better position. So, you know, God, I don't, you know, God, do you see what that person's doing? You really, you know, I don't do that, okay? You know, I may have some things, but not that one, right? I want you to know, that doesn't work, okay? And, and Jesus shows us that it doesn't work as he continues on in Matthew chapter 7. This is what he says. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Jesus uses this crazy illustration where there's this guy with a plank in his eye and he's going, God, I I see you got a speck in your eye. Let me help you with that. Right? That's what he says. And that's what's going on, right? Just think back. Can you remember a time when you had like a, a, a speck of dust or sand in your eye? I remember when I was in grade school, we had this track meet at this really cool park in El Paso. It was really cool because it had a pond. It had water in the desert. That's good stuff. It had trees, you know, and we were waiting for the track meet to start and the wind was blowing and some sand got in my eye. Oh, it was horrible. My eyes swelled up. It was red. I, you know, tears were dropping down. It was just excruciating. Now, imagine that you have a speck in your eye and you need surgery to take care of that speck. And your surgeon walks in and goes, hey, just any last questions before we go into surgery? I'm sure it's going to work out fine. I'm really confident of that. You know, and you're like, hey, dude, I want out. I want out. Jesus telling us, you know, it's just it's absurd. Now don't misunderstand, Jesus is saying that speck is a problem. That speck is a sin, uh, but don't think that's going to work. He says, check yourself, right? Uh, A self-righteous person is overly critical and condemning. So we we look at a a person, you know, based on a limited view, right? And, And the plank will give us that limited view. Uh, Here's an example of what I'm talking about in Scripture. We might be reading this along. It's from the book of Job. Okay, Job is pretty much right in the middle of the Bible. If you just open it up, there's Psalms and then Job back one. But Job, he is just exceedingly blessed. Uh, He is an honorable, faithful person. He has a lot of children. He's very wealthy. And and he loses all of that. And, And he loses his health too. And he is in excruciating, horrific pain 24-7. There is no relief. And his wife comes to him and says, Job, man, just curse God and die, okay? That's not a good thing to say, all right? That's not good at all. That's bad fruit, right? But I don't know about you. I I don't know what it's like to take care of someone 24-7 who's in this horrific pain that will not end. Pressure will cause you and I to do things that we wouldn't normally do and say. I'm just saying, let's, you know, as we see things, as we see this little snapshot of someone's life, maybe on the news or at work, we see that, you know, let's be a little bit empathetic. I'm not excusing, for example, what Job's wife said, but I'm just saying, Let's be empathetic. I don't know about you, but I'm really glad that the the weakest point of my life isn't up there on the screen for you to go, ooh, really, you know, and and judge me on that. So be careful, okay? Self-righteousness leads to judgment. We just talked about that's what judgment is. Here's what judgment is not. Setting up boundaries is not judgment. If you invite someone over to your house to, say, eat supper, and and while they're eating there, they steal from you, okay? Not inviting them back is not judgment, okay? That's setting up a boundary, right? That's saying you're not going to be controlled by someone else's dysfunction. If someone is abusing you physically or mentally, Moving out or having them move out is not judgment. That's setting up a boundary so you're not controlled by someone else's dysfunction. It doesn't mean you want bad for them. You very well mean good for them. You want them to get help, but it's not helping in this setting. You're setting up a boundary. Judgment is not uh, identifying inconsistencies. See, okay? See, there are things about me that I don't see, okay? And the hard thing is, is they're crystal clear to you. You're going, no kidding, you know? I got issues. I need you to protect me from me. You know, one of the things that that I do is is if I'm in a situation and and there's a person that's bothering me, okay? Okay? You know, what I usually say, which is good, is you know that thing that's bothering you about them? You know why it's bothering you? is because that's you. You've got that somewhere, right? Truth-telling in love is not judging. Judging isn't saying something is is right or wrong, all right? Uh, Love won't remain silent, okay? It just won't. So, for example, I'm out on a run, and I'm running along, and Pastor Ben comes cruising up uh, in his bike, on his bike, and he goes, hey, Bill, your shoelace is untied. You should stop and tie it so you don't hurt yourself, That's truth-telling and love. If I go, Ben, quit judging me, you know, who's got the issue? Not Ben. I do, right? So starting with Jesus means that we would rather hurt someone's feelings than their future. Here, here's another example of that. When my daughter was little, and we had the little tykes hoop out, you know, and she loved to, to dunk the basketball. And so she'd always just go up there and dunk it. Well, one day, Jackie took a, a, a pot off the stove and, and moved it over, and that stove was still, like, glowing orange hot. And here goes my daughter up to the stove, and she's about to dunk her hand on top of the stove. I, I'm, a, I'm a ways away, right? I'm not going to be able to prevent that. Do I just sit there and go, well, let's see how this turns out? <laughs> no way! Stop! Don't do it! Right? Love isn't silent, right? And so kind of going back to the Pastor Ben telling me my, my shoe is untied. If, if you see someone's life, it's coming untied from God. I encourage you and love to encourage them to tie back, you know, get a little closer there. As you see, as we start with Jesus, we are our brother's keeper. We were meant to be in community. We weren't meant to to go to work, come home, and shelter in place, right? We're meant to be there for one another, okay? And and so what Jesus is teaching us today is take care of those planks in your eyes so that you can see the specks in others' eyes and help them out. Remember, here are the words that we read earlier. All scripture is God-breathed, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Those of us who are Christians, Jesus calls us to be salt and light. Contact with salt or light, that changes things, right? You put salt on food, it changes the taste. Maybe you've got a a sore in your mouth, you eat something salty, you know about it right away. Salt impacts what it touches. The same with light. You turn on the light, the darkness scatters. You turn on the light, someone turns the light on you when you're sleeping. It's like, ah! It impacts things. Huh? The difference between judging and truth-telling and love is this. Judging is you wanting condemnation for the other person. Truth-telling and love is that you want to help. The other person. That is a huge difference in motivation and attitude. That is a huge difference between wanting someone to be condemned and wanting to help them. Okay, so as we start with Jesus, here's what we need to do listen, be a friend, don't jump to conclusions, learn their story. See, not everyone that is stuck wants to be stuck. Two, don't label. Don't label someone on their situation or because of their situation or their sin. Three, show compassion without condoning. God is so compassionate to you and me, so compassionate. He does not condone a single sin, we do. He is compassionate but not condoning. So we start with Jesus. We see we are to challenge without being condemning. Introduce people to who they can be in Christ. Here's a couple examples of that from scripture. Because a guy in the Old Testament, Abram, some of you are going, Abram? I thought it was Abraham. Well, it was Abram first. All right. And God comes to Abram and Abram and his wife, they're old and they can't have kids and and everything. And that was just looked at as the worst thing uh, in the world at that time, pretty much. And and God comes to Abram and says, hey, I'm going to change your name. You're going to be Abraham. Abraham means the father of many nations. Okay. So, God's coming to this guy who's old, his wife is old, he can't have kids. And God says, I'm going to tell you who you can be in me. You're going to be the father of many nations. Okay? 25 years later, after that promise, because God doesn't work on our time frame, Isaac is born to Abraham and Sarah. And it's through Abraham and Isaac we can trace the human ancestry of our Savior Jesus. Another example in the Old Testament, a guy named Gideon. He was a judge at the time. But at first, Gideon, he came from this small little tribe of the nation of Israel. They really weren't known for anything. And like Gideon was like the biggest sissy of that whole group. Okay, he had nothing going on for him. Their enemy, Israel's nation's enemy, is right there. They're walking around doing whatever they want. Gideon is hiding from them and everything. And and God comes to Gideon and says, Gideon, I'm gonna use you to defeat Israel's enemy. And Gideon's like, no, no, you don't know how big a sissy I am. And God goes, Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. Let people know what they can be in Christ. Kind of think of it maybe this way too, okay? Satan knows your name, but he's the one who calls you by your sin. God knows all your sins and calls you by your name. When we start with Jesus, we'll be people who remind others, not of their sin, but of who they can be in Christ. John three seventeen says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, as, as we start with Jesus, uh, it's not our job to judge, all right? Not our job. That's God's. He'll do it in his way at his time, and it'll be perfect. Our job is to love all people. Now, if we're honest again, no matter who we are, no matter what our background is, we're all frail and broken in some way. All of us here, all of us here, again, no matter what our background, what our position, standing status, and all of us at one time or another, at least at one time or another, we've kicked God to the curb. And God sees all that. And so God started with Jesus and he sent his son into the world to live that perfect life that we often try to do and sometimes we try to do it by dragging other people down. But Jesus lived that perfect life without dragging anyone down, right? And then he died the death that we deserved. He suffered that condemnation and abandonment from God. Because you see, God judges. God judged Jesus guilty of all of our sin. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And so God judges us now. He judges us as forgiven and immensely and eternally valuable. And dearly loved, there is no more sin price to be paid for you or me or anyone else. So quit trying to make people pay for it. God's got it. God's got you. Start with Jesus. Treat other people like God treats you. And you'll find yourself wanting to help people instead of being appalled about people. And how are we going to do that? start with Jesus. Engage with people that we've been told for far too long now to stay away from. Engage with them. Go into environments where the grace of God can flourish and change hearts and lives. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for sending Jesus and and for not only sending Jesus, but but judging him guilty of all of my, of all of our sin. So there's no more price to be paid. Lord, for some of us, we really need to get off our back on that. Because it's really dragging us down. and, And while we're being dragged down, we sometimes, in anger, are dragging other people down too. Thank you for judging Jesus guilty in our place mind-blowing. Thank you, God, that through Jesus, you judge us immensely valuable, that we are dearly loved children of God. Help us to go out into the world and see people just like that, immensely valuable and dearly loved. We pray this in our Savior's Jesus' name. Amen.